This is the Fire Life. Medic 11. We still have quite a bit of fire in the water. The podcast that takes you inside Adams County Fire Rescue. Adams County Offside. And introduces you to the brave men and women keeping our community safe. When the tone drops, we're all family and we all take care of each other. Uh, right now we have an outside fire. No, we got this guy that is here. Roger, I copy. This week on the Fire Life. Engine 11. Jimmy Martinez on his life as an engineer. The stressful part of my job is getting my engine, my crew, especially my crew, and the equipment safely to the call. And Katie Bender on what drew her to the fire service. They were like, yeah, you should test with our department, and I did, and I went on some ride-alongs, and I really liked it. And what's it like being a mom in the fire service? I think having a really supportive partner has made it a lot easier. This is The Fire Life. And welcome to Episode 6 of The Fire Life. I'm Julie Brownman, and our co-host today is Jimmy Martinez, an engineer right now over here at Station 11. And I've been actually wanting to do this podcast for a while. It just took me a while to convince you to do it. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, you want to do this podcast? Oh, yeah. 10 all the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm pegged out and ready to go. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast with you is because you are an engineer here. Right. at Adams County Fire Rescue. And I love talking to engineers because uh, for so many reasons, first being that uh, you get to deal with kind of the crazy public, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of navigate around the crazy public. So All tell me about the experience of being an engineer. Um, you know, if, you're t if we're talking about responding to calls, driving on the road, it's for me, it's probably, I, I wouldn't say my job is super stressful, but as, as when we're responding, that's probably the stressful part of my job is getting... Uh, my my engine my crew especially my crew and the equipment safely to the call you know a lot of people just aren't aware that we're out there even when we're running lights and sirens so it can be frustrating at times but you know once we arrive and set the brake it's it's just you're on cruise mode at that point you don't think your your job is stressful i mean it has its moments like any job but for me it's not a stressful job at all like you know you you get I just, I, I really, I'm not one to stress out. And so um, I, I don't heap that on myself. And I, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of what this job is about. And so I've been doing it for quite a while. So um, there's not a lot that I've seen that um, recently that, that can be thrown at me where I'm just going to like, you know, stress out or anything like that. Um, but that's not to say it doesn't have its moments. Like you run the critical calls, you want to do well, you want to, you know, on one hand, you feel for your patient or patients, you know, and, and you're kind of, there for them on their their worst day so you mm -hmm. want to you want to perform well do well um so there's that stress there but that's that's kind of uh you kind of put that upon yourself at that point the longer that you do it the less i would think that that it can be in the situations it is somebody's worst day right yeah. um but the longer you do it do you handle it better or do you feel like it's just you kind of your same response um, I think you just settle into a pattern um, or a mode, if you will. Of um, I, I wouldn't say every call's the same. We treat every uh, every call the same because they're not. Um, but I think it's how you approach it. If you approach it the same way, you can anticipate what's going to happen. Or um, you know, um, you know, for us, we 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 interact with the public a lot. Um, we see them at their worst moments sometimes, and uh, but it's not like. Uh, you know, we form relationships with them. So it's kind of easy to have a disconnect. I mean, even there's that empathy and sympathy for them. Um, but, uh, 
you know, uh, once the call ends, uh, at least for me, it starts to dissipate. And, you know, unless it's something, you know, that was critical or uh, uh, something you don't see every day, it, it'll hang around for a little bit. But uh, I don't I don't really carry it with me. Is the public nice to you guys? All the time. Yeah, I feel like you're appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I got into this profession uh, for the for the adoration of from the public, but it's, it's when I started doing it, it, it was really eye opening for me just to see how much people really do appreciate firefighters. And, uh, cause I came from a completely different background. Um, uh, you know, I, this is my second career and, uh, it was, yeah, it was eye opening. It was, it was definitely a change of pace from what I was doing before. What were you doing before? I was in construction management, so I worked for a commercial construction company, and I was a project superintendent. So I was on a job site all the time, you know, and and never really not much interaction with the public, just more with like the trades, the workers, the, and other supervisors and owners. So you weren't adored as a construction. I was only <laughs> adored if I came in ahead of schedule and under budget, <laughs> right? Which you know, maybe happened most of the time, but not all the time. Why did you make the switch? Why'd you make the career switch? Uh, it was a fluke. I never, I was never one of those little kids that saw the fire engine running down the street. And, you know, I didn't grow up with this passion to become a firefighter. I, uh, uh, a long time ago, I was uh, working on a job site and I noticed one, uh, one of the guys uh, was never around all the time. And uh, I asked his boss, I'm like, hey, why is this guy not here? And he's like, oh, he's, a, he's actually, his real job is a fireman. And, uh, he said it was a really, you know, this, he only worked on his off days and, you know, this is like his spending money or whatever. And, uh, so long story short is he and I got to talking. He's like, yeah, you know, you, you should think about it. It's a really good job. And, you know, and I didn't know anything about the fire service and, um, uh, it was, it was weird. It was, it wasn't great at the time, but I, I think it was later that year I had, I'd gotten laid off. And, um, there was, there's this, there was this test back then it was called the Dr. Cog test. And basically what it was is, uh, uh, it's somewhat of an entry exam, um, an aptitude test. And it puts you in a pool of area departments. And like, I, you know, I'd had a, a, another job within like two weeks. And so I completely forgot about this test that I had taken. And, uh, like eight months later, um, North Washington fire called me, which is now Adams County. And they said, hey, we're putting on an unaffiliated academy. Um, you can get this, these certs. Um, you'll, you, you'll train at our training grounds. You know, you'll get like the, you'll get insight into kind of what the, the fire service is. And so it was, I think it was one night a week and weekends for like 12 weeks. And I took it on a whim. Um, and by the end of my, even halfway through that academy, I wasn't even convinced this is something I wanted to do. It was really towards the end. Um, and part of it was seeing the, the passion in the guys that I got to know in my academy that, you know, this is what they wanted to do. They were fired up about it. Some guys had been trying for years and years to get into the fire service. And I, um, towards the end, I, I made the conscious decision to transition out of the field I was in, into, into getting a paid job as a fireman. Ever look back? I haven't. No, I mean, I, I got on, I like, as when I graduated my academy, I, I went and got my EMT basic cert. And before I even completed that program, I got picked up as a reserve at North Washington Fire and put on, I think, maybe 
almost two years as a as a reserve before I um, got picked up paid here. So homegrown, so to speak, as far as uh, as being a fireman here at Adams County. I asked that question, and it's a bit of a tough subject that you know we're about to get into because I think the public knows. I think there's been enough enough news coverage on this that. Well, firefighting and working at the fire department is a really fantastic career. There is a risk to working at a, in the fire service, mm-hmm. and that risk is getting cancer. The statistically, mm-hmm. I think it's a nine percent um, higher chance than the general public has, and even fourteen percent of dying from cancer. I think right. I, just, I just read that, and you were that happened to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, for my birthday last year, I got diagnosed for with cancer. So. Stage two at the time, uh, prostate cancer. Later came to find out after my surgery was actually stage three. Um, again, like most of my life, found out on a fluke. It was uh, just uh, pure happenstance that I found found out. It was early diagnosis. I think that was key to everything. Um, just wasn't feeling right. Went and had some blood work done. Found out I had uh, some uh, low testosterone but that's a byproduct of having uh, the type of cancer that I had. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, everything happens so fast. It definitely, uh, getting that diagnosis, just like uh, it, it stopped me in my tracks. I mean, my life just like came to a, like a, a, a sudden halt. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. Um, I, I didn't really regret uh, the job, you know. Um, we're... We're very well educated here at Adams uh, on on the inherent risks of the job. You know, we we do a lot um, for our people in in so much as cancer prevention. Um, you know, we do what we can here, but uh, I mean, what I've been told is you could do everything right for your entire career, and it's just not enough. You know, and so there are just like I said, there are the inherent risks that comes with this job. It's not just cancer. I mean, there's PTSD. There's like you know, the list goes on and on. You know, general public doesn't know about that. You know, um, you know. I think looking from the outside in, they see us as you know hanging out at the grocery stores, running calls, you know, washing our rigs, you know, you know, uh, uh, pancake breakfasts, what have you. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a um, a deeper and uh, I guess darker side, if you will, to this job mm-hmm. that, that not a lot of people know about. I think most of us think mortality wise, that's for other people, right? Yeah. But then, yeah, because we're stronger, fitter, um, happier. You know, um, again, it's perception. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like we're untouchable. Things don't, bad things don't happen to us. And so, um, but yeah, don't you know? It's the real world. They do. What was the reaction from um, your coworkers? Because you guys know that you're in this kind of special group, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not the special group you want to be in yeah. when it comes to that. Well. It truly is. Um, I, I do consider the people I work with as my second family, if not my my family. And uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't let everyone know like right away. And in fact, I didn't let anyone know until I absolutely felt like I, I needed to. And that was my you know my my boss. And uh, and then once I told him, uh, then I, I decided to tell everyone else. I mean, and it's not that I was trying to hide it or anything like that. It's just uh, you know. I tend to be live my life a little on the private side and with the type of cancer that I had and cancer in general, I think what I've, what I've come to realize is that it'll humble you. Um, you lose a little bit of your, your perceived dignity with it all. Um, because like, you know, you're getting poked and prodded and tested and you know, you get, you know, have uncomfortable conversations, 
you know, and they delve deep into who you are as a person. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, so telling, telling the guys, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it was slightly uncomfortable. I, I didn't feel like, uh, I mean, it's not like we sat around and, and, you know, cried for, for me or anything like that, but it was, it was nice to see, um, unfortunately under the circumstances. Um, but it was nice to see, you know, the, the, the care and love that came out from, from those guys. I mean, because we are pretty close, we're, we're very tight. And so, um, you know, it just made me, me love and respect them even more. Yeah, absolutely. So other firefighters listen to this podcast and the general public listens to this podcast, your advice to them or the message that you want them to take away from sharing that story. You know, what I've learned is that, you know, I, I would arguably say that I was probably in, in the best shape before this happened of my life. You know, I was, I was strong. I, you know, um, I was sleeping right. I was eating right. Um, and uh, to me, something just felt wrong. I was getting like a, you know, like that midday lull, lack of energy, um, just something I felt like just something wasn't right. So, and I, like most of the people around here, like, you know, you're in tune with your body, you know, and you're just not feeling right. And so, um, I decided to, to take it on, on my, uh, take it upon myself to go and, and seek out medical advice. And that's, that's exactly what happened. So it was early detection. You know, I listened to your body. Um, if something doesn't feel right, there probably isn't, you know, you don't know what that is. It could just be like, it could be anything really. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, a nutrition deficiency or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, once they found out, I mean, I was, I was fast tracked through surgery. I didn't, fortunately for me, I didn't have to go through any additional treatment. I didn't have to do chemotherapy, radiation, immunotherapy, anything like that. Um, I had a surgery. Um, I've been clear ever since. Um, I won't be considered in remission for five years, but like right now, everything's non-detectable. Uh, still recovering physically a little bit. Um, body's not really like a hundred percent, but, uh, I feel like I'm, uh, at least according to my docs there, they say I'm like way ahead of where I should be, you know, as far as, and that just comes from like taking care of myself and yeah. So is there a silver lining to this? Like, does this, it kind of sounds like, or no, if there is, I, I don't know that I've found it yet. Yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't felt sorry for myself though either. You know, um, uh, to me, I just felt like, uh, this, this really sucks right now. It's just something I need to kind of like, uh, just kind of get grind through it all mm -hmm. and, and, and get through it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I, I can only do what I can do to, to prevent from my end, you know, uh, a reoccurrence. Um, apparently I'm now in a higher risk bracket, but, uh, um, like how I approach the job, nothing's changed. You know, I, I still like, you know, wear the appropriate gear and, you know, do I don't do like stupid things or, you know, that like, well, you know, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, I definitely mind my P's and Q's when, when it comes to, uh, the job itself and my exposure, lim yeah. you know, limiting my exposure risks and stuff yeah. like that. Well, thanks for sharing that and opening up because yeah, I think the more that people yeah. hear about it, uh -huh. um, I think awareness, you know, about awareness and also for the public to know, like, uh, it really, it really happens in this job and to just know mm -hmm. more about that. So, yeah. yeah. So our next guest, we're fully expecting to open up about a lot of things. She's actually a host of a podcast herself. We're going to talk to firefighter Katie Bender, who's glaring at me right now. We'll talk to her next on the fire life, but first the message from fire prevention. 
I'm Bianca Chancho, Life Safety Educator at Adams County Fire Rescue. Heating, holiday decorations, winter storms, and candles all contribute to an increased risk of fire during the winter months. Adams County Fire Rescue would like to help you reduce your risk to winter fires and other hazards, including carbon monoxide and electrical fires. Heating is the second leading cause of U.S. home fires, deaths, and injuries. December, January, and February are the peak months for heating fires. Two in every five fires involve space heaters. Often called the invisible killer, carbon monoxide Oxide is an odorless, colorless gas created when fuels such as gasoline, wood, coal, or propane do not burn completely. In the home, heating and cooking equipment that burn fuel are potential sources of carbon monoxide. While we all love candles, they look pretty and smell good, they are the leading cause for a home fire as well. Here's what you don't want to do. Don't leave candles near objects that can catch fire or leave them unattended while you're away. From all of us at Adams County Fire, stay safe and have a great holiday season. Welcome back to episode six of The Fire Life. I'm Julie Brown, and I'm the PIO of Adams County Fire Rescue. And my co-host today is Jimmy Martinez, an engineer over here at Station 11. And our guest today is Katie Bender, a firefighter that's been here for how long? Four years. Four years. Okay. Um, and how did you find yourself at Adams County Fire Rescue? I actually went to college for communication studies and business. So I thought I was going to do like an HR route. And I did my first interview and I just wasn't into it. And I uh, remember after that, I had like kind of not sure what I wanted to do. So I thought I wanted to be a nurse. So I went CNA and I didn't enjoy that. And then my brother-in-law is actually a police officer. So I thought I wanted to be a police officer. So I would go on ride-alongs with him and he would be like, are we going to write them a ticket or not? And I'm like, well, they're probably having a bad day. We'll give them a break. And he's like, we have to write tickets. <laughs> so I'm like, eh, not for me. So, um, and then I met a girl at my gym and she was training to be a firefighter. So I was like, that's cool. So I started doing ride-alongs and that's what kind of fit for me and I enjoyed doing it. So I volunteered for a couple of years and then I got hired part-time at a different department. And then I did the firefighter calendar in 2016 and I met Nick and Levi who are firefighters here. And they were like, Hey, we're hiring. And I was like, yeah, you guys are cool. I bet your department's cool. <laughs> I didn't know that you did the firefighter calendar. I did. Yeah. That's awesome. But doesn't that take a ton of discipline? Uh, kind of. I was already competing in CrossFit. I was eating really well. I was already in really good shape. So um, I just did it for fun because it was like totally outside of my comfort zone. So I was like, oh, that would be fun. And so, so I was actually a contract firefighter at my other department, which means full time, no benefits, like no sick time or anything, which is cool when you're young because you're like... I don't need sick time. I don't need benefits. Um, but I was looking for like a, like I wanted to make this my career. So they were like, yeah, you should, you should test with our department. And I did. And I went on some ride alongs and I really liked it. And here I am. Do you love it? I do love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the department. I love the crews. Um, yeah. Just a really good place to work. Do you guys, have you guys worked together a lot? Yeah. So um, when Katie, I think, first came on, you came on an A shift, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, we first met at station 14. And so, um, 
Yeah, so first woman on my crew ever since I've been here. I've worked with women, um, but not one permanently on my crew. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it wasn't much of an adjustment. I think for one, one or two of the other guys, it, it was. Um, to me, I thought she fit in really well. Uh, but tell us about your first year. It was pretty eye-opening. I came from a department that didn't run as critical calls, as, um, I don't want to say dangerous, just like, more scene safety awareness is required here. Um, but yeah, I think I got really lucky with a good crew. So Jimmy's been my engineer for actually most of my like first time for my first couple years. So yeah, she's pretty lucky. <laughs> really lucky. <laughs> what I noticed about you on calls is that um, I can just tell you're very compassionate on calls. I've been out on a couple where I, I turn around and you're always talking to you know like a displaced person or is that one of the things that you really enjoy about it i do and so when i thought i wanted to be a nurse that was partly why so like i'm always um like if i do those personality tests i always come back with like the like the giver so i i care a lot about people and so my trouble with being a cna is i worked in a nursing home and i would just like get these relationships with these with these people that had no family and so that was hard for me because then they pass away or or they get sick or they get worse and they don't know who you are and so that was why it wasn't a good fit for me so um i enjoy that about this job is that you can be there for someone's worst day and make a difference for them or you know like little kids that don't know what's going on so just being there for them have you ever taken one of those personality tests? I have, and? actually. Um, scored a little low on the empathy side, sympathy <laughs> side, but uh, definitely uh, uh, kind of have like that worker mentality uh, fall in line with uh, the leadership mentality um, or the personalities of that. Right. But uh, so more pretty. so very task-oriented. Yeah. So that's good for yeah this kind of job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you are also the mother of two adults adorable twins um and you also i get to see like you'll you'll on social media you'll post like pictures of when you know they come and they hang out um is that important to you to have them like part of this it is i think so they are almost two so um i think now it's fun when they come visit because they actually care about what's on the engine and getting in the seat and for a while you like force that and you're like, this is really cool. Why don't you guys like this? So uh, it's hard for me to be away from them for two days. So it's nice when they're able to come visit. And I just hope we don't get a call when they come visit. So it's pretty cool to see how you and uh, Brian, um, you know, can uh, effectively parent, co-parent your kids while you're at work. So, t but tell us some, some of the challenges you have while you're at work. Uh, so I would say it's gotten better as they've gotten older. So I came back to work, I think they were four months old. So it was pretty much when Brian was ready for me to go back to work. It wasn't necessarily when I was ready. I mean, I was ready before that. I just had to wait till he was ready. So um, I get, you know, now we do FaceTime and it's nice for me to see them. But a lot of times it's, talking him off a ledge so 
like he'll have an issue or I can always tell if it's been a bad day or they'll FaceTime and his face just says it all and it's like countdown to bedtime. So sometimes it's hard for me because I'm not there. So, but I think having a really supportive partner has made it a lot easier. 48 hours is, does it go by quick or is it a long 48 hours of being away from the family? It depends. A lot of times, like when you have a really awesome crew at work, I think that makes the difference because you enjoy being at work and you're, you just kind of accept that you're there. So, but sometimes I miss them like a lot and I'm like, I'll text Brian in the morning and be like, can you FaceTime me this morning while they eat breakfast? So... And is that something on cruise? I mean, are you guys like talking a lot? I know you guys share a lot with each other, but are you always kind of sharing also family stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, our personal lives are are very much part of our professional lives here at work. So one of the reasons why I want to do the podcast is you also, you and Brian, for eight years owned a gym, right? Yes. Okay. So did that that take a lot of your time as well? Yes and no. So I, when I was testing for firefighter, I was working at the gym full time. So he was, and it tested, I tested for four years. So it kind of took me a while to get a job. Well, maybe not a while for some people and maybe not. Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, so I worked at the gym and I would coach and train people and that was his primary. So we, kind of had to figure out what worked for us though because when you're together all the time at work and then you're together all the time at home it's not always the best so i would come in and come out and then really towards the end uh, we ended up closing the gym in march and transitioning to more of like an online and he does more consulting now with gym owners and other business people. So towards the end, I was really only coaching like a couple classes a week. What about you guys have these 48 hour shifts and then you have four days off. So some people do nothing and some people like you were doing, you know, you had the gym for a while. How, um, I guess, important is that to you that you also have something else going on and you're the mom of twins, but also something else in that four days. Like, would you always want to have that? I do and I don't. Sometimes when we have busy shifts and we're up both nights, it's really hard to want to do anything <laughs> and it takes a couple days to recover. But I I enjoy doing other things. So we, and my husband's like an entrepreneurial person, so he'll always have something going on. So it's fun to kind of have side projects with him going on. One of the things I think is really cool about working here is that there's so many things that you guys can do. Like, Jimmy, you're on the um, tech rescue and also the wildland team. And then, Katie, you're also on the health and fitness. Yes. So that kind of seems obvious that that people here should be into health and fitness, but maybe not. Yeah. And I think that's nice that we have committees and different teams because we can help people because some people just don't know like they don't know about nutrition and they don't know how to work out or lift weights so I find joy in helping people figure that out and what works for them so do you do plans for people like workout plans I have or diet plans but only if they're interested I wouldn't force it on anyone so in the health and uh, so being a part of the, the wellness fitness committee, um, what are some of the things that you have done to help out like the department or neighboring agencies? 
So one of the big things we did this year, despite COVID, was help out with the North Area Fire Academy for the firefighters that are about to come on. And actually, Jimmy was a big part of that. Yeah, so um, each agency in the North Area um, had a representative um, from their department uh, come together. Uh, it, and there was all six agencies, um, PFTs, peer fitness trainers. We, we came together this year and we put together a 12-week uh, training regimen for all the recruits. Uh, and it was supposed to be hosted, the academy was supposed to be hosted at North Metro. However, due to, due to COVID-19, um, the academy is broken up into three different locations. Fortunately for Adams County, we were able to host alongside with Westminster Fire, and we had 12 recruits uh, this year. And we, Katie and I, we put them, and a few others on our committee, put, uh, put them through a, an assessment to see where they were um, strength-wise, uh, their movement, their body mechanics, uh, their cardiovascular drive, uh, things of that nature. Um, we, we documented that. And then we tracked them for 12 weeks and we ran them through our, our pro, the programming that we, we put together. And, uh, uh, and it was a success. Um, everybody's numbers uh, increased exponentially. So they came out of their academy and everyone knows that goes through a 12 week academy, how long and drawn out and physically demanding it is. Even so, everyone's numbers increased. They were stronger, they were faster, they had a better uh, cardiorespiratory drive. Um, and on top of that, I'm proud of this the most is that no one got hurt. No one got hurt in training. No one got hurt doing PT. And so that's a huge, huge feather in our cap. So it was a successful program. And, um, and that, you know, uh, that was great to see considering, I mean, with, with everyone's help, you know, that was, it was a team effort to, to get that success. Right. Right. That's a success. Um, that makes me want to ask you guys as people that have been doing this for a bit, and seeing the recruits, and they're you know all different ages, all kind of different backgrounds. Your advice for these new recruits that are just about to go online? I would say really just be there to listen, and I I think that's a big thing that a lot of firefighters say. And for you know we have people with different body types, so like smaller people, um, people that aren't as like have as much strength. So I would say just learn techniques from people similar to you, um, like raising ladders and things like that. Uh, different things work for different people, so just be open-minded. As a probie coming in, it's tough because you're automatically judged the second you walk in the door. And if you're <laughs> yeah. out of shape, you're, you've already lost some of the trust and respect to your crew. Um, but if you're trying hard, you're working hard, um, you know, being a sponge, listening to, to your coworkers, um, you know, you'll, you'll gain that trust and respect back pretty quickly. So it's, it's all about being, uh, assertive, aggressive, um, and then, uh, and willing to be coachable and teachable. Were you like that when you were a probie? Um, I was, I am not the person I am now when I came in. I was like, <laughs> I was quiet. I, um, I, 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 played the part pretty well. I, was, I felt like I was a good probie. Like I, I, I worked hard. I, it was yes, sir. No, sir. Um, I did anything and everything that was required of me. I didn't complain, nothing, nothing. And, uh, so I felt like I, I, I represented myself well, as well as the department. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I've kind of earned my place here, so to speak. <laughs> and so I feel like because I did what I did, um, I can, I can now kind of, uh, uh, Say it. 
I can't imagine a quiet Jimmy. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like I, I've uh, earned that position as being a judge of the new people coming in. So, but I mean, we're, as much as we, we care for one another, we're also pretty hard on one another too. So it is like, it's a family again. So, I mean, we, um, you know, we don't always get along with every member of our family all the time, right. but at the end of the day, they're your brothers and sisters and of you love course. and care about them. Were you a good probie? I like to think I was, I think I was also pretty quiet. So when my year was up and I can be pretty sarcastic, I think everyone was like, who is this person? <laughs> she, she was a good probie. Oh, right. Oh yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So the last thing. Um, and this is, I'm so like, I love this, is that, Katie, you do your own podcast. I do. You do. And it's called Unsupervised Parents. I know you guys haven't done one in a while. You've done it. You do it with your husband. Right. Um, love the title. Tell us about Unsupervised Parents, the podcast. So we came up with the name because uh, when you leave the hospital with a baby, or in my case, two babies, they're like, okay, you're good to go. And you're just like, What? Like you're, we can just take them. <laughs> so we came up with that. And so having twins, twins don't run in our family. Twins was like a total, I don't want to say freak thing, but we weren't expecting it. So there's not a lot of resources out there. And there's a lot from moms or like stay at home moms that have made like blogs and podcasts, but there's not a lot on like the dad's perspective. And What's unique about me being in the fire service is my husband is home, basically solo parenting for 48 hours. So he's learned a lot. I've learned a lot. So it kind of combines both of both of our perspectives. Is there cussing in this podcast? There's cussing. There's poop. <laughs> so we pretty much we'll go with like one topic per episode. So we'll talk about like blowouts. Um, blowouts is in poop blowouts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How to manage, how to accept it. <laughs> it is all about acceptance, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if that's not a teaser, why to listen to unsupervised um, parents? I don't know what it is. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts? Yes? Yep. Yeah. Apple or any of the other podcasts. Okay. Spotify. Okay. I'm actually going to go listen later today. <laughs> Thank you both for being on the podcast. Um, I hope that you had a, on a scale one to ten, like a five. Even better, I hope. Yeah, I'm like five and a half. <laughs> Thank you. Give it a six. Okay, very good. We'll see you next week. Medic 11. Engine 11. You've been listening to The Fireline. A podcast by Adams County Fire Rescue. Adams County Offsite. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Roger, we've ordered two more rescues for you. And check out our webpage, acfpd.org, for more on the services we offer, fire prevention information, and how to become a firefighter at Adams County Fire Rescue. Medic 11. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe. Ah.